Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Hi, I'm Warren Coode with 3C Ranch in Fort Stockton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again lock-loaded and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we are well into the holiday season, but it's not a happy season for everyone. Some folks could use some help. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Those of us who live in the Texas High Plains are well aware of the challenges we face when it comes to water. So it's good to see the state of Texas embarking on a new mission to strengthen water resources. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Wheat growers' priorities for the Farm Bill in 2024. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have comments from the National Association of Wheat Growers just ahead on Texas Ag Today. One of our advantages in the cattle industry is the ability to grow and graze winter forage, cutting the need for stored forage and cutting supplemental feed costs. However, to get the most potential out of winter annuals, it takes fertilization. We will discuss fertilization strategies for our winter forages. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We are well into the holiday season now, but it's not a happy time for everyone. Some farmers and ranchers spend a lot of time alone during the year, and the holidays can be a tough time for them. Jeanette Lombardo is the executive director for the National Farmer Veteran Coalition, and she says rural communities should not forget those who are spending the holidays alone. This time of year is difficult for a lot of people. A lot of our farmers are very isolated, and they can be lonely, and veterans are part of that. And we do a lot with uh, not just financial stress, but mental health, suicide prevention. I want to ask our rural community to take that extra effort during Thanksgiving and Christmas to live in community and really reach out. Give them some of your time and let's help everybody through what right now seems like a very um, uncertain time in our country. And I really would like just to ask people to keep that in mind during the holiday season because we're all going through difficult times. The National Farmer Veteran Coalition is based right here in Texas. 
with their offices in Waco. Texas is the nation's largest producer of sesame, and now sesame farmers will have crop insurance for next year's crop. Beginning in 2024, USDA's Risk Management Agency is expanding the actual production history plan to allow sesame farmers to request written agreements anywhere sesame or a similar crop like cotton, wheat, or grain sorghum has grown successfully. Previously, only farmers in specific counties could request written agreements to cover sesame. The plan will specifically cover clean, dry sesame. USDA reports RMA is also expanding the availability of enterprise units to sesame, giving sesame growers greater options to manage their risk. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The United States is planning to allow fresh imports of beef from Paraguay, a move that is opposed by the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Wyoming cattleman Mark Isley is president-elect of the NCBA. He says their objection is simple. Their reporting is inconsistent on foot and mouth disease and containment procedures. And we vehemently opposed them letting that in, and USDA overruled us and said we're just going to go ahead and let it in. And we cannot understand why that happened. We will continue to press this issue because we demand an answer and we demand the proper protocols. The World Health Organization has also sided with us on this. We need to get a handle on it. Producers should be concerned. NCBA says the decision to allow beef imports from Paraguay is based on a deeply flawed risk assessment. Water is an ongoing challenge on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt tells us the state is working to strengthen water resources here in Texas. During the statewide election earlier this month, voters set in motion an effort to create a greater water supply for Texas. They did so by giving overwhelming approval to what is known as Proposition 6. For some local perspective on this, I visited with Ben Weinheimer. In addition to his role as president and CEO of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association, Weinheimer also serves as chairman of the Panhandle Water Planning Group. The passage of Prop 6 will put a one-time influx of $1 billion in resources to create the new Texas Water Fund. And that Texas Water Fund is intended to be used, at least 25% of it, for the identification and development of new water supplies for the state of Texas. The remaining 75% will be uh, targeted towards other activities such as infrastructure development, pipelines. Also will be used to do some of the implementation work on the development of those new water supplies. And when it comes to providing new water for the state, Weinheimer says there is a numerical standard for what is to be accomplished. It's not just a hollow promise uh, for the state and the Texas Water Development Board to deliver new water sources. It's actually a requirement, if you will, that the Water Development Board is tasked with delivering 7 million new acre feet of water supply by the year 2033. Now, as to developing new water sources here in the Texas High Plains, how might that come about? We'll hear more about that from Ben Weinheimer of the Panhandle Water Planning Group tomorrow. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Wheat growers are working on priority issues for the Farm Bill. Tom Nicoletti checks in with the National Association of Wheat Growers. 
My guest is Jake Westland. He is Vice President of Policy and Communications with the National Association of Wheat Growers. And Jake, uh, now that the Farm Bill extension uh, has been uh, finalized, Farm Bill will be worked on in 2024. Uh, what does your organization prioritize when it comes to the Farm Bill as we move into the next year? The National Association of Wheat Growers, our Farm Bill priorities from the onset has been protecting crop insurance as a key component of the farm safety net. But in addition to that, we just also need to work to get that farm bill passed, a long-term farm bill passed and enacted in this upcoming year to provide that long-term certainty for our growers. And beyond protecting crop insurance, like looking for ways that we can enhance crop insurance, that we can update and make the reference price, a saturated reference price for, for wheat growers uh, more reflective of you know cost of production and update that accordingly. And then also for our export markets, make sure that we're investing in MAP and FMD, your market access program, for market development program. Those programs haven't seen an increase in funding since the early 2000s, and while at the same time a lot of our competitors have been making investments in those programs as well. So that will play a, a key component in helping overseas development and, and building those markets, because half the wheat that's grown in the United States, that's exported internationally. So that's a, another one of our farm bill priorities. But as we think about that farm bill extension that just got signed into law, it's, it's important that lawmakers take this opportunity now to, to get to work and then take those next steps to introduce a bill, get it passed at the committee level, and to have a conference committee to get that finalized this upcoming year. Because as we get into the new year and a year from now, that new deadline will be before us before we know it. That is Jake Westland with the National Association of Wheat Growers. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Winter forages are in the ground and growing in much of Texas. Forage specialist Dr. Vanessa Olson says fertilization is a very important element in growing good winter grass. Nitrogen fertilization of overseeded ryegrass is usually split in two to three applications. Phosphorus and potassium, if needed, can be applied at planting. The initial nitrogen application should be delayed until after the ryegrass is established to reduce nitrogen utilization by the warm season grass and possible leaching in sandy soils. Additional nitrogen can be applied in midwinter and early spring. Nitrogen fertilization of overseeded small grain ryegrass is usually split in three to four equal applications during the growing season. Two applications are often sufficient in central Texas with lower rainfall and heavier textured soils. Three or four applications are required on the sandy soils in East Texas because of low nutrient holding capacity and high rainfall. Phosphorus and potassium can be applied at planting. If more than 75 to 80 pounds per acre of potassium are needed on sandy soils in East Texas, it is recommended to split into an autumn and late winter application because of leaching. Overseeded clover ryegrass may not receive any nitrogen or up to two applications, depending on the amount of early forage needed. Without nitrogen, sufficient forage for grazing will not likely be available until February or early March. The most common program is a single application in December to enhance ryegrass production during the winter when there is very little clover growth. Maximum forage production is obtained with two applications of nitrogen, one after the ryegrass and clover are up and a second in midwinter. Nitrogen should not be applied in the spring if there is a good clover stand. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. Omeprazole is used to treat equine stomach ulcers. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next. 
right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Omeprazole is used to treat equine stomach ulcers, but Dr. Bob Judd says the syndrome can reoccur after stopping the medication. Some horses treated for gastric ulcers with omeprazole can have rebound gastric ulcers after stopping the medication. Equine gastric ulcer syndrome, or EGUS, refers to the presence of stomach ulcers in either the glandular or squamous portion of the horse's stomach. Each of these syndromes are actually related to different causes, but both occur because of the acidity of the stomach fluid. The only approved treatment for gastric ulcers is a drug called omeprazole, which is a proton pump inhibitor that decreases the acidity of the gastric juices. However, Dr. Stacy Oakey indicated in the horse publication that a recent study found that squamous ulcers can recur in as little as three days after stopping the medication. This is believed to be due to rebound gastric hyperacidity secondary to abnormally high levels of the hormone gastrin. Normally, when the pH levels in the stomach decrease, gastrin is inhibited, and when the stomach pH increases, as when giving omeprazole, more gastrin is produced. Omeprazole interferes with that physiology, and stopping omeprazole decreases pH. The researchers used 14 horses and gave them omeprazole once a day for 57 days. After stopping the omeprazole, gastrin levels doubled, which causes an increase in gastric acid production. However, the gastrin returned to normal after only two days, so although rebound hyperacidity does occur, it is short-lived. Rather than tapering the dose of omeprazole when stopping, management changes to decrease ulcers should be considered, including providing roughage, including alfalfa, and completely rest the horse for two days after the last dose of omeprazole. I hope you enjoyed today's Texas Fed News. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Pheasant season opens this weekend. Jessica Nomal takes a look at this year's pheasant hunting forecast in today's Wildlife Report. Pheasant hunting season in 37 Texas counties opens this weekend. John McLaughlin, Upland Game Bird Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, joins us with this year's forecast. Every year, Texas Parks and Wildlife, our biologists in the Panhandle and South Plains, they run about 44 survey routes across the region, and uh, we come up with an estimate of average birds per route. Unfortunately, this year, we're in the sort of continuation of a long-term trend over the last five or six years here where dry conditions and limited cover have really limited 
pheasant production. And so we do have birds in the region. We certainly saw broods this year and there are going to be exceptions, but generally we do think that hunting will be below average this year, unfortunately for most. The pheasant surveys observed 0.84 birds per route, down from the 15-year average of 4.99 birds per route. McLaughlin said there are a few reasons for the decline in the pheasant population. Drought is one of the big ones. You know, pheasants rely on some of that taller cover. They're looking for areas where they can get out of some of those ag fields. And so, unfortunately, drought has taken a toll. Commodity prices also affect what's planted in this part of the state. So sometimes crops and the varieties that are out there can limit pheasants in some ways. And then, of course, We've seen a a loss of of CRP, so Conservation Reserve Program acres, which is a farm bill program. We've we've seen a loss of some of those acres in recent years. A few different things putting some downward pressure on pheasant populations. Pheasant hunting season opens Saturday, December 2nd and runs through December 31st. We'll have more on pheasant season on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It's time to check the markets. We'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a nice bounce back in the cattle futures complex on Tuesday after two days of very sharp losses. Back on Friday's session and Mondays, we saw massive losses in both live and feeder cattle. On Tuesday, we took back a huge chunk of those losses with December live cattle up 287, 171.65. February up $4, 172.82. January feeder cattle up $8.25, 221.05. March feeders up $7.20 at $223.50. We've seen some cash fed cattle sales here in Texas so far this week. We had a few cattle sell on Monday at $175. That's two bucks lower compared to last week. Also saw some sales in Kansas and Iowa at that same price, $175 on a live basis. Box beef was lower Tuesday. Choice was down 35 cents, 296.90. Select was down 8 at 267.72. Now let's check those auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Riley Rhodes, Live Oak Livestock Three Rivers, is in the alleyway with me at the sale barn this morning. Riley, how did your Monday sale go? It went good, Larry. Uh, better than expected. The market was uh, on the lightweight cattle. Uh, pretty much steady uh, with lots of demand. Uh, was a little bit cheaper on the bigger cattle, kind of the six-week, six-fifty-week 
and up and uh that primarily uh due to the seekers market on friday and and today but uh lots of you know lots of demand out there and uh um, thought they still sold really well ended up with 1,245 head today uh still not getting any pairs sold but most of those out anywhere from 1,000 to 1,600 uh the bread cows 875 up to 1,275 packer cows and bulls were steady money 98 to dollar four on your uh, high yielding cows 92 to 98 on your breakers, 52 to 80 on your canners. The high yielding bulls 112 to 118. Low to medium yielding bulls 94 to dollar 12. The two to three weight choice steers 286 up to 320. Have for mates 62 to 294. Three to four weight choice steers 278 to 310. Have for mates 238 to 282. Four to five weight choice steers 264 to 296. Have for mates 234 to 276. Five to six weight choice steers 240 to 278. Have for mates 220 to 246. Six to seven weight choice steers 216 to 236 heifer mates 188 to 208 the 7 to 8 weight cattle your choice steers 194 to 218 and the heifers 182 to 198 so uh pleased with it like i said you know uh this uh features market's been kind of all over the place in the last month or so and uh that's kind of taking a toll on some of the bigger cattle but they're still bringing lots of dollars and uh you know still lots of demand on the lightweight cattle so i get along good Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Riley. 361-813-6650 is myself. 361-786-2553 is the office webpage, liveoaklive.com. Neighbor, you've been listening to Walking the Pins from the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. You're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished higher on Wednesday. December hogs up $1.568.92. February up two ten. At 69.02. Class 3 milk was lower. December milk down 17 cents at 16.19, 100 weight. The cotton market was slightly higher on Tuesday. We're seeing an oversold market and some short covering coming in here at the end of the month. So that's keeping a floor underneath prices right now. December cotton up a point at 78.60. March cotton up 34 points, 79.60 cents. Corn market just cannot find a bottom right now. That big 15.2 billion bushel record corn crop continues to weigh on prices. December corn down another four cents, 451 and a half. March corn down one and three quarters at 473 and a half. Wheat market finishing strongly higher, especially in hard wheat. December Kansas City wheat up 23 cents, closing at 613. December Chicago wheat up nine and a half. At 5.43 and three quarters. In the energy markets, December natural gas was down eight cents, 2.70, with January West Texas crude up $1.59, 76.45 a barrel. In the financial markets, the Dow was up 90 points Tuesday afternoon, 35,423. The NASDAQ up seven, 14,248, with the SP unchanged, 4,550. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production 
of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.